This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've I spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of hey gordon how's it going Going really well, Doc. I've had a massively unproductive morning because I was watching the uh, Protea ladies at the World Cup cricket again this morning, and they've just delivered another incredible result after their fourth winner and their fourth cliffhanger. Yeah. So, you know, it's just amazing and really entertaining. So, well done to our, our lady cricketers at the World Cup. I think they're pretty, pretty well set for a semi final berth. And for once, as a cricket fan, I get to actually understand what big match temperament is because I've been wondering about it for 30 years now. Now finally I've got to see BMT. They won four games, four cliffhangers in a row. So I'm I'm in pretty good shape this morning. Well done, ladies. You've made my morning. Well, that's great, Gordon. I mean, I, I didn't see, I saw the result. Uh, and, and it follows last week's discussion with Kelvin uh, on, on Nielsen. We touched on, you know, lady sport and the, and the continued growth and investment into sport. And, and I think one of the things we do need to to is try to get, you know, some of the lady proteas onto the show and, and chat about, you know, not just the on-field experience, the travel, the whole, uh, the whole, the whole camaraderie that has been coming for years. You know, that side didn't just get together. You know, we know that uh, yesterday. So it'll be nice to chat with them uh, and get a, get a perspective of, of that. Yeah, and they're delivering the goods, you know, it's, it's not just a point of principle. And you're right. I mean, we, we spoke with Calvin last week and the growth in women's sport, uh, you know, or the sort of the uh, constructing the, the, the overarching sponsorships and, and you know, pooling them male and female um, or men or women, whatever the correct term is these days. I'm a little unclear on that. Um, but it's just entertaining. I mean, their four games have been crackerjack games, really cliffhangers and you're just sitting there and enjoying a game of cricket. So, you know, I think if women's sport delivers that kind of value, then the discussion will be over. You're going to be watching women's sport. It's just jolly entertaining. Yeah. 
No, that's great. And, and I mean, yeah, so hopefully they go on and, and convert, you know, their pool games into, into knockout knockout wins. And, and that's exactly what I'm sure. The, yeah. sure they will. And talking of knockout wins, uh, congratulations. I, I'm in awe of you. Uh, I'm now going to, I'm trying to get the prof and the guru uh, embedded in my mind. So I've got the prof uh, on the show with me this morning. This is quite extraordinary. Yeah, thanks, Gordon. Yeah, it is. You know, it's a, it's a nice honor for me to be, I guess, recognized and, and asked by my my home university, North Mandela University in Port Elizabeth. You know, where I attended sort of 35, 37 years ago, um, and it was nice. You know, they just asked me to come on as a, as a part time professor for for marketing, which I've accepted. And and it's it's nice to just be able to give back. And I know that you, Gordon, are also passionate and, and have been for a long time and will continue to be passionate about education, a continuous upskilling. And I mean, from my side as well, you know, it gives us a chance to plow back, you know, not just our 30 year or my 30 year practical experience, but also a sound academic base. So yeah, I'm very pleased. And thanks again to Professor Medill Tate and, and all at uh, Nelson University for, you know, for the, the chance to give back. And hopefully we're going to get some of your colleagues on as well, because I think um, education going forward is going to be a key theme for us this year. I know we're both really focused on it. And, and one of my concerns is that so many marketers around uh, the country, irrespective of whether they've got BCom marketing or MBAs or even MASA uh, behind, their, behind their name, um, you know, the vast majority of those qualifications would come without even having done a media module, which I find staggering. You know, we've, we've talked about how marketing to a degree has devolved into almost advertising because so many of the other functions have been taken over by other silos. So how is it possible if marketing and, and advertising have become synonymous that you can be a, a marketer without having done the one thing, which is what you're investing hundreds of millions of rands in. So, I, you know, I just think I'm really enthusiastic about trying to get in with you into uh, tertiary institutions. You know, we're doing well as an industry with our interface with the uh, the University of Cape Town Liberty Institute of Marketing. The textbook, uh, I don't have the latest figures, but you'll recall, uh, you know, downloads with over 45,000 uh, in 130 countries. That was before Christmas. So I'm trying to get an update on that. So where we can feed media into the system, I'm going to be shamelessly using you uh, as, as my prop conduit to get media into the mix uh, as much as possible. So, yeah, great. I'm looking forward to, to the academics coming on the show. But what I'm most excited about is, and I understand there's a difference between academia and practical application. But I don't think practical application is necessarily, uh, they're not mutually exclusive. Mm. You know, you, you can have an academic approach to application as well as an academic approach to theory. So I think it's good to see this fusion of academics and application from people who've been there. Yeah, absolutely, Gordon. You know, and again, you know, I make the point that most of my career I've spent in the trenches of, of corporate you know, marketing. So I'm not a, an art and art academic, but I've studied and done a few degrees and understand the basis and, and have respect for the frameworks and the, and the modules and all the rest of it. But absolutely, it's the application. So as you say, it's using that foundation. And that's where, you know, I've already chatted with, um, you know, uh, Medill Tate and, and co at the university. They keen to come onto a show and share what they currently do. You know what I mean? So I've been a little bit removed out of, out of uh, mainstream ac academia for years. What are you teaching? What is the industry need? Is there a gap? How do you close the gap? Because I mean, I was, 
when you told me the other day about media, I was horrified because you and I both know that in most cases, a lot of your marketing, marketing funds, budget goes to media. In fact, the bulk of my money went to the media buy. So what you're saying is that, and, and I've read the book that James put together, GCT, you wrote a chapter, and, and many other great people. So it's, it's a fantastic resource. I want to reiterate again to people out there, if you haven't downloaded it, go on. It's free. It's a great resource. Uh, and you were saying, that, I mean, I've read the chapter on, on media, but the point is, you know, it's, it's scary, though, that you're saying if most curriculum doesn't include media. So that's one of the questions I'd like to chat to, you know, to people about saying, listen, who's teaching it? How are you teaching it? What type of media? Is it a mixture of the traditional, you know, the, the TV, radio, outdoor type stuff, as well as the digital? And then, Gordon, within digital, where do you stop? You know, is it the SEO, Google Words Stop, or how deep do you go into the analytics? Because you know, digital is a very loose term, uh, and and one needs to get into the deep analytics and deep digital of understanding consumer behavior. Absolutely, and I mean, I think on that point, um, yeah, the deep analytics uh, was covered at a really good uh, a conference, uh, a f open forum at the SABC a week or two back, where where the whole issue of data mining was was addressed. Uh, multidisciplinary data mining made me realize that you know media is a pretty small industry, but the principles of data mining are the same. And I think at the at the end of the day, if you're mining data without understanding where it's going to be applied at, at the end of the day, you're going to end up in a tunnel of endless number crunching. You've got to you've got to know where the end application is. And uh, just also on an, on an issue of. Uh, of, of education, and I know that the, the Media Association, Advertising Media Association, um, is, is looking at revitalizing and regenerating itself, because that's my alma mater in terms of media industry education. So I'm looking forward to, to engaging with that process. Um, and we've got to broaden the net, though. So if I look this week, we've had the South African Human uh, Rights Council review into investigation into allegations of racism and discrimination in advertising. And they want to instill a culture of human rights that promotes equality and, un, you know, and, and eliminates unfair discrimination. Uh, you know, it's, it's been quite a painful week. Not everybody enjoyed everything that was said there, but nevertheless, one has to listen to these things take them to heart and respond in a positive manner. So, you know, if, if it is about removing it, then that's a training thing. So how do we teach people, you know, to, to go beyond the numbers and media and look at making decisions which are not discriminatory and which uh, eliminate, you know, unfair uh, discrimination? So I think we need to be focusing on that kind of thing. And for me as well, one of the areas uh, I'm really keen on trying to get the MAC Charter on the show in the next uh, couple of weeks to see how that's progressing because it seems to me there's a synergy between the MAC Charter's objectives and transformation and the human the Human Rights Council. That, you know, so we've got to train people about that. You can't uh, you can't expect those things to to just happen. Uh, it, it's part of a training process. Not enough to teach people that reach times frequency equals gross rating points. That's you know that's mechanical stuff and it had its time, but we have to go beyond that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Gordon. I mean, just last week I was asked by a, um, a guy in America writing an academic paper, and he was asking for a view on um, on DEI in terms of what you're talking about now, bringing in diversity, et cetera. And he's, and he's doing this largely academic paper. And I, and I said to him, I said, you know, Tom, actually the interesting part is, and I went back to 1989 uh, when I started working, Gordon, uh, and we, we, we ran 
I remember a series of training workshops, which is saying now is you can't wish the stuff just happens or hope it happens or because you've kind of mixed people up, they're going to kind of naturally find their way. It doesn't quite work like that. Now, this is 33 to 32 years ago, um, and it was still called stereotype reduction workshops those days, long before diversity, equity, inclusion. And I remember going through that exercise with a trained psychologist. It's not an easy exercise to get to the real issues. And now the most obvious difference or the overt differences. So you get male and female, uh, a race issue. And those days, you know, you, you'd be able to see a guy in a in a in a, a blue overall and a guy in a, a shirt with a tie. So typically line and staff top top work. And and so the whole idea of course is to go past those obvious differences to the non-obvious similarities. And once you start getting into those deeper issues, now those issues are issues such as a religious, a deep religious belief that people would share. Uh, people would have, uh, say, a child with a learning disability, or they'd be caring for an older parent who's near end of life. Now, those issues are, are really hard issues and issues that um, you need to get to, to find that commonality. So, yeah, today, you know, we're talking about uh, 30 odd years later, and still people are grappling with it today. It's the ad industry. But, Gordon, um, before we, I mean, somebody listening to our show now might be saying, but now where's the guest? I mean, you guys, are, we have we run out of friends this week <laughs> about important matters, but I mean, where's, where's the guest this week? Well, it is, it is human rights. Uh day on monday so and the schools are broken up so we're giving everybody the, the day off today um only the desperate uh, desperados are going to listen to the two the two of us talking today doc so uh so that's the explanation um people are away and you know, just been a short uh, you know a short week coming up next week bit of a bit of a messy thing but just coming back to the dei you know um it's interesting so this week i mean a couple of interesting reports um uh, the World Advertising Research Council um, have just produced their 2022 Effective 100, the top most effective 100 media agencies, creative agencies, brands around the world. So they've aggregated the scores from all the effect and all the major effectiveness award programs around the world, and they've come up with a scorecard. And it's interesting. So top creative agency is McCann's in Dubai. Top media agency is Zenith in Bogota. Um, top countries, USA, well, I think you'd kind of, you'd almost expect that, just there's so much money behind it, you, they've got to win something. Then China and India. South Africa languishes in, uh, I think, like 50th spot or something, but some of the countries that are ahead of us are Pakistan, Chile, Uruguay, and Lebanon. And it just makes me wonder, then coming back to that point, if we are being outperformed on effectiveness like countries like Chile and Lebanon, have we been knocked off our cocky little pedestal over the last few years where we, you know, we, have, we always claim that in this industry in South Africa, we punch above our weight. Um, there's not in the top 100, there isn't a, a South African media agency uh, listed at all yeah. uh, in the top 100 effectiveness. And and that was just like a little red flag. They say, yeah, maybe we've been a bit too cocky for too long. Yeah, maybe we need to get back to basics and start uh, start again, refresh ourselves, reset, and and go forward again with new energy. Because it looks to me that on a global scale we, we we're slipping. So that was interesting, particularly on the issue of of diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you'd think that we would have some edge, I get it, but I found it interesting, Dubai, Bogota, Chile, oh. Uruguay, Lebanon, mm-hmm. these are culturally diverse countries, 
just like ours. And we need to make look for some lessons there. Too many, and you were talking digital. Where do we go in digital? Where where's the play? So we're looking at models out of Western Europe and North America. We should be looking, you know, at, at models out of China, out of India, out of Malaysia, out of Indonesia, and those places. And I think we just need to reset our focus. And it may be that in training people, I like the sound of that. Was it desensitization? Your um, program you talked about, um, cultural desensitization, was it? Or desensitization? It was, it was called, at those days, Gordon, the name it changed, it was called stereotype reduction. Uh, stereotype production <laughs> workshops and today it's morphed into you know it's slightly more complicated and, and a few more variables but the principle is the same the principle is listen how do you work together to make a better team in other words maybe take longer and i think ivan Moroki made the point to us from Cantor when he was in the show that diverse teams if you look at the the research and stats often take longer to get to a decision but make over the long run better decisions that are more thought through, more rounded. So it's an age-old thing. Do you want to go fast or do you want to go far? You know, if you want to go fast, go low and go, go with people if you want to go. And, and I think, you know, Gordon, it's interesting about talking training. And, and we've absolutely been party to the discussion about certainly on the creative side, we punch above our weight. We've got great creatives and, and all of that stuff. Uh, and even through the COVID period, um, we spoke with some agencies around exporting of skills from South Africa, creative skills, not necessarily diversity and, and effectiveness skills. And so, yeah, you're right. Maybe it, maybe the industry as a whole uh, needs to do that. And ironically, I'm actually sitting with um, an agency next week, chatting a little bit about um, about some of the, the needs. Now, I, I, I obviously didn't know we were going to discuss this today. And one of the things, and this is the irony of the thing, is we're going to chat about trust and communications. Now, this is with the communications agency. So this is the irony. But I mean, if you just think about it, Gordon, you know, you look at big integrated campaigns, you've often got a lead creative agency, you may sometimes have a separate digital agency, you've always, almost always got a separate PR agency, then you've got your media component. That's on the creative side, the client side, you've got sales, you may have some channel or market, uh, marketing influence, uh, uh, and sometimes procurement, you know, the rise and we spoke about it, the rise of power of procurement. So now how do you bring everybody together to trust that the retainer paid is right, that the hours produced is right, that the quality of work is right, and that there's open comms? So yeah, and that's just at that level. I'm not even getting into diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, so yeah. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the intriguing topic, and, and you threw in there the issue of trust, which which we know uh, over the last two years emerging from study after study after study is the key narrative that's guiding a lot of decision-making. Again, another interesting report that came out this week is from, it's, it's one of the uh, initiatives within the World Federation of Advertisers called GARM, G-A-R-M, Global Alliance for Responsible Media. Um, and trust is one of the, uh, the core drivers there. But also just how do you measure and eliminate harmful uh, and racist comment, uh, you know, just, just generally it aligns itself to the objectives of the South African Human Rights Council. That's why I was kind of intrigued that this all seems to be happening, you know, and I think many people are not realising uh, that this is not just repetition of the same old, same old from edgy politicians in South Africa. It's a global phenomenon that has to be addressed. And uh, 
in that uh, GAM report, um, one of the things which intrigued me is that they're analyzing a whole bunch of things um, which are, are directed at three primary uh, kind of objectives. We want to share creative common definitions of harmful content, common brand safety tools. In other words, how do you cope with uh, finding your brand in a harmful content space? How do you manage that? And then just accepting mutual accountability and independent verification for that. But they're putting together, as you'd expect from a lot of digital people, uh, a high-tech uh, digital solution. But the core conclusion that comes out of the report is the best way to address um, you know, and, and eliminate harmful content um, is a combination of the digital solution and real people uh, applying their minds and applying their intellects to the thing. So that's interesting for me. It comes all the way back. You know, let's let, we need to train people to do their jobs, but we need to train them about a whole bunch of surrounding cloud activities. And I was just intrigued that their findings are that you have to have a human component. It's the trained eye or the, or the improved attitude that's going to make the difference, not just some you know high-tech solution that will eliminate all these problems for us. Yeah, absolutely, Gordon. I think it gets back to it gets back to key and consideration, you know. And again, you know, just chatting with people uh, in terms of, of of people who really care about what they're doing, you know, care about the input process and the output, you know, that simple input process output model. But I mean, you've got to make sure that you, whatever your part is. You're doing it to the best of your ability, and you understand why you're doing it. You know, so and, and I think so often that doesn't happen. People sit and they move stuff around in the process. And and one of the criticisms, and, and again, we get back to that Mastercard article. We get back to our discussion with, with Wayne Bishop at PhD and shift uh, the role of marketing. If you if you are gonna not care about your bit, somebody else may very well care about that bit, uh, and then you start losing bits out of marketing, your earlier point, you know, where you end up really as an extension of advertising, not necessarily yeah. a marketer, but an extension of the ad agency. And in many cases, yeah. even if I take you out of the, I can just deal with the agency myself. And you probably won't have much of a difference. Uh, so yeah, you know, as you say, the trained eye care and consideration and just knowledge and upskilling and love of what you do. Yeah. And, and something in there, you know, resonates as well, you know, that, one needs to look at the successful brands, like the brands that are breaking or shooting the lights out. And what are they doing? And, and you know, shop right checkers. I mean, you know, the whole thing, you're more attuned to, to what's happening there. It's incredible success story, but they're not relying exclusively on communication. That's a classic example of marketing innovation that's incredible and intrigues me in this uh, this report, uh, the top uh, 100 effective uh, marketers includes the top uh, brands. And the top brands, interesting enough, McDonald's, Burger King, and KFC. So what is it about the fast food sector that uh, leads them to uh, you know, being more effective marketers? And I think it's just simply line of sight uh, of the objective. You know, you yes, you've got branding and, and all of that that surrounds Burger King and McDonald's and, and KFC, but ultimately you've just got to move X stuff and if you don't you're in trouble and maybe that's why the retailers in this case are setting the pace because they're very very aware of the outcome you can't hide behind uh, soft you know soft delivery no and it's you know if you look at you just look at um, shoprite as an example and they really are the case that most people are speaking about these days i mean you look at the, the half year results that came out a little bit earlier this year sales up group wise 10 percent 
and profits up 25% on their numbers. I mean, that's astronomical. And it's quite interesting in, in some of these articles that I've read, how open they are in terms of sharing their nine point or nine key driver strategy. You know what I mean? So it's short-term, medium-term, long-term. But within that, there's, there's a lot of thinking. So that's just a simplified version. But what is the most interesting thing for me, Gordon, in terms of, of some of their success now, is that they actually split out their incremental traditional business from the new ShopRite X business, housed it separately and a different guy run it. So that, you know, you don't have the temptation of people saying, well, don't fiddle with the thing. Just leave it alone. It's, it's actually good enough. So they've done very small incremental changes on their base business, but they're, they're more radical and more risky business as set outside. And a lot of that stuff is, is really data informed. You know, you look at all of that stuff, the analytics, then the numbers that they've produced, you know, in terms of, they're two big drivers, 6060, the app. Now, what, what is quite interesting out of 6060, Gordon, is that they got 2.2 million downloads of that app, okay, in under two years. And a third of the, now this is the important part for me, a third of those customers were not checkers customers pre the app. So now, now you look at that, you look at that land grab, you look at that market share from other players. Now, if I was, and I've made the point before, you know, spa, pick and pay, uh, wooers, those guys. I'd say to myself, but hold on a second. That food must have come from somewhere. Maybe it came from us. You know, and so, and I mean, I can go through all the stats, which I'm not going to do now. But I mean, certainly that's an example of, of using, you know, really using the data, getting, and, and they say there, they say there, we, we're trying to build a better shop, right? And we're going to get closer to the customer through the use of analytics data and better, uh, better automate our, 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 our buying and our predictive behavior. You know, so a lot of that stuff is not, as you made the point earlier, not data for the sake of data. You know, not somebody opening up Excel or pivot tables or anything more sophisticated and playing with numbers. It's why are you doing it? Show me the output. Uh, and that's, mm. that's the important part, John. It's interesting that you've fallen back on something which is almost, uh, or in my experience of it, uh, has fallen into disfavor as, as a tool of measurement. Um, and you were talking about market share. Yeah. You know, it's all become, you know, sort of unit driven. I mean, it, it's all about sales. And we're not paying attention to things like market share, which are really critical indicators of, of your overall success as a brand. So I think it's interesting that you've fallen back onto that uh, particular element, which for me, I kind of grew up on, you know, share of voice, share of market relationships and that kind of thing. Uh, speaking of which, Doc, it, it is the long weekend. It is also St. Patrick's Day, and I'm going to now go and make my single-handed attempt to improve Guinness's market share, if not in Johannesburg, then certainly in Kensington. So <laughs> I'm going to, to all of our, our listeners out there, happy St. Paddy's Day. For those of you who are Irish, uh, yeah, enjoy it even more. Have another extra Guinness on me. I'm going to nosh a couple, that's for sure. <laughs> well, good. And I can't argue with that. That sounds like a fantastic idea. Enjoy that. Uh, and we'll catch up next week. Next week, we're talking, we're going to be talking some media, some television. We're going to be, uh, we've got a, a host of, of really exciting guests. I don't want to let too much out, but we've got some really exciting guests lined up uh, and some, some big names across both media and marketing. So something to look forward to. Absolutely. And on, on, the, on the television side, we've got Mara Black from DST. We're going to talk about local content production and, and the market moving into Africa, the whole sort of uh, television mar content market uh, from South Africa into Africa. So it's a really interesting pan-African uh, conversation, which I'm really looking forward to. And well-known figure in the media industry, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be looking forward to hearing from Mara. Yeah.
Great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for setting up. Uh, I look forward to the chat next week. Joe, listeners out there, thanks again for the time. Um, yeah, Gordon and I chatting largely education today and, and some of our concerns, some of the work out of the research councils globally uh, as well as locally. And then, yeah, until next week, television and a whole lot more. So uh, thanks for listening as always. Uh, please stay tuned, uh, share the link, uh, be part of the conversation. And until next week, we'll catch you then. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the Guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.